When Israel was in the wilderness, on their way to the promised land, God led them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And he did that so that the light of his presence would provide the light they needed to travel even in the darkness of night. But it's not only at night that we need God's light. And there is darkness that goes beyond the absence of the sun or the moon. Psalm 119 famously says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now why would we need a lamp for our feet or a light for our path unless the place where we were walking was dark? We know from experience that the world is a dark place when we don't have the light of God's word directing us in the way that he would have us to go. And not only is our path often dark without God's word, because without it we don't know what God would have us do, but also the world itself is a dark place without God's light. But God has not left us in the darkness, whether spiritual or physical. In the beginning, he created the light and separated it from the darkness. He created the sun and the moon and the stars to give us light both by day and by night. And more than that, he has sent his own son, who is light, into the world. That's why John says near the beginning of his gospel, as he talks about the word of God, the son of God, that he says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Jesus, in other words, is the true light. And the darkness has not and cannot overcome him. And that is why Jesus says what he does in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, starting in verse 12. That's going to be our passage this morning, John 8, 12 through 30, where Jesus begins by saying this. It says, again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him 
because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says where I'm going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. As He was saying these things, many believed in Him. Now at this point, Jesus is still... In Jerusalem, you might recall that he had gone up to Jerusalem for the Feast of Booths back in chapter 7. And he's still there. In fact, in verse 20, it says that he was at the temple at this time, uh, teaching the people there. And he makes a significant claim about himself in verse 12. He says there in public to this crowd, I am the light of the world. Now, what does he mean by that? What is he claiming when he says, I am the light of the world? Well, it's significant that he's not just saying, I am a light, but I am the light. In fact, the light of the whole world. John uh, the Baptist The Bible refers to as a a burning and shining lamp. But he's not the light. Only Jesus is the light. And if we put together what Jesus says about himself when he says, I am the light of the world, with what John says in his first letter in 1 John 1, 5, where he says, God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Then it's not hard to recognize that Jesus is claiming for himself something that's only true about God. I am the light. I am God who is light. There's no darkness in me. And I am the light of the world. In other words, if it were not for me, the world would not have light. And I didn't come just to give light to one little place or one little group of people. I'm not just the light for this little group of disciples over here. I'm the light for the whole world. I've come to give light to all those who are in darkness, which of course is something that only God can do. And he says that anyone who follows him then will not walk in darkness because they will have the light of life, his light, his life. If you follow the light, in other words, then you will have the light. 
Paul says in Colossians 1.13 that what God has done for us is this. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. So if you're a Christian, you used to live in darkness. But now you're a part of the kingdom of God's Son. And if you're not in the kingdom of darkness anymore, but in the kingdom of His Son, guess what kind of kingdom that is? It's a kingdom of light. Paul also says in Ephesians 4, that he says this, For at one time you were darkness. You weren't just in the darkness before you knew Christ, before His light came into your life. You weren't just in the dark, you were darkness. For you were at one time darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You used to be in the darkness. You were the darkness. Now because you're in Christ and He's the light, you now are light. And so go walk in the light. Do things that are appropriate for those who live in the light, in other words. John puts it this way, also in 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 7. He says, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. And walking in the light doesn't mean you don't have any sin. Walking in the light means you've been honest with God about your sin and asked Him to cleanse you from your sin, and He has done so through His Son, through Jesus' death, by His blood. So to follow Jesus right, means you're going to have to trust Him, You have to trust that where he's going is where you need to go, where you ought to go. You trust him, you follow him, then you're no longer in the darkness. Now you have light. Now you have life. Life and light belong to those who follow Jesus. And that is both what he promises us and what he calls us to. To walk after Jesus, to follow Jesus means He gives us His light, but also that He expects us now to walk in the light. It's a both and. It's not an either or. If you don't know Jesus, and you can tell that you're in the darkness, and you want some light in your life, here's the good news about Jesus. He never turns away anybody who turns to Him. Never. Never. He doesn't say, I don't deal with people who've been living in the darkness. I don't deal with people who've done dark stuff like you've done. You, you have to find somebody else to help you. No, he came for people who are in darkness. And everybody who belongs to Jesus was once in the darkness. There are no followers of Jesus who you can tell about the darkness you were in before you met Christ. And they'll say, I have no idea what you're talking about. Everybody who comes to Jesus, who comes to the light, started out in the dark. So don't let your darkness keep you from Jesus. And if you are a Christian, and you feel like you have strayed back into the darkness, turn back to the light. Turn back to the light. If we confess our sin, the Bible says, 
God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, walking in the light doesn't mean you don't have sin. It means you're honest with God about your sin. You confess it so you can receive forgiveness. Turn back to Him. Trust in Him. And He will not turn you away. Now, if you were of a skeptical turn of mind, what would you say to Jesus standing up in front of this crowd of people and saying, I am the light of the world. If you were inclined not to believe him, what would you say to kind of push back on that? Anybody can say, I'm the light of the world. Why should we believe you? Where's the proof? That's how the Pharisees respond. In verse 13, the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Now, that doesn't mean just because you do bear witness about yourself that your testimony is false. What they're saying is, as somebody pointed out, what they're saying is your testimony is not accepted as true. If you're the only person bearing witness in your defense, well, that's that's not enough. Because you can say anything. How do we know that it's true? So they're pushing back on Jesus. So you, you say you're the light of the world, but that, if that's all you got. There's no reason for us to believe that. So here's how Jesus responds. Verse 14. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. <clears throat> Why? For I know where I came from and where I am going. Now, here's what that means. um, A Bible teacher I was reading made this really clear, right? What does Jesus mean when he says, my testimony is true because I know where I came from and where I'm going? It's basically a long way of saying, my testimony is true because I'm God. I know where I came from. I came from the Father's presence. I am God in the flesh. And I know where I'm going. I'm going back to the Father's presence presence. And you know what? God can't lie. So what I'm telling you is the truth. I know it's the truth. You might not believe me, Jesus says, but what I'm saying is true and I know it's true because I know who I am. When I claim to be the light of the world, I'm speaking the truth because I am the very son of God in the flesh. But you don't know that about me. Right, Jesus says there at the end of verse 14, uh, I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. Meaning, if you did, you would know that what I'm saying is true. If you knew I came from God the Father and was returning back to God the Father, you would know to trust whatever I said. But because you don't know that about me, you refuse to believe that about me, then of course you're not going to accept my testimony about who I am. Because you don't even know the first thing about who I am. You can't accept my claim to be the light of the world if you don't accept the truth that I've come from God. He goes on, verse 16. You judge according to the flesh, which probably means you're judging according to appearances, right? In other words, Jesus is saying, you look at me and you think, that guy doesn't look like God. I don't think he's... I, don't, I mean, he looks like everybody else. He looks like my neighbor. Some of them have said already, 
don't we know this guy? I mean, isn't this Joseph and Mary's son? I mean, don't we know his family? And now he's claiming all this outrageous stuff about him being God. He's just a guy down the street. That's how they're judging Jesus. He says, you judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. We just read the story last week about how Jesus did not condemn the woman who was caught in adultery. And it reminded us that we were told back in John chapter 3, after, after it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Then it says, For He did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, that is to pronounce judgment against the world, but to save the world. It's not that Jesus will never judge, because He will. The Bible is clear about that. Jesus also said the Father has given all authority to judge to the Son of Man. That's in John chapter 5. When Jesus comes back, He is going to judge. But that's not why He's here right now, at this moment. right? So that's probably what He means by saying, you know, I judge no one. Not that He never will. But that's not what He's doing. That's not what He came for just then. I judge no one, and even if I do judge, my judgment is true. Why? Because it's not just me, He said, but the Father who's with me, who is also judging. And here's why that's important. Verse 17, in your law it is written, in your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. Again, not that you can't have two false witnesses come together. But if two people bear witness about something, that's, that's the threshold for saying, okay, that's believable. Right? That's believable. So if the law says the testimony of two people is true, well, here's what we have. Verse 18, Jesus says, I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. In other words, I'm not bearing witness only about myself, in which case it would be understandable for you not to believe me. But I'm bearing witness about myself, and the Father is bearing witness about me. So you actually have two witnesses. Now, this is not just some kind of like loophole that Jesus has figured out or something. This is something he has been uh, adamant about already back in chapter 5. He said, the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. Now, when and how did the Father bear witness about Jesus? Well, on, in multiple ways. right? When Jesus was baptized... There was a voice that came from heaven, said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. On the Mount of Transfiguration, now granted only three of his disciples were with him at the time. Same thing, God spoke from heaven. This is my beloved Son, listen to him. But the testimony of God that most of the people who encountered Jesus would have heard, so to speak, or witnessed, is the testimony that God bore through the works that Jesus did. Now here's what Peter said in Acts chapter 2, in his sermon on the day of Pentecost. He said to the people gathered in Israel, in Jerusalem on that day, he said, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God, with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. In other words, 
Jesus is not just a random guy who stood up in the temple one day and said, I'm the light of the world. Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit at his baptism. God spoke his commendation of his son from heaven at that moment. And Jesus has been doing signs and wonders and miracles in front of people over and over and over. He's turned water into wine. He's healed a man paralyzed for 38 years. He will raise the dead. He will heal the sick. He will cast out demons. And those works are the Father's witness that this is indeed His Son. Jesus is not claiming anything outrageous. And He's not claiming anything that He has no support for. He is claiming in words what he has demonstrated in action, which is that he is like un, he is unlike any other man who ever lived. Because he's the God man. He's God the Son who took on flesh so that he could take our sin, die in our place, rise for our eternal life. That's who he is. Now, of course, they still didn't believe him. Right? That's the thing about many of Jesus' opponents is they, they attack him on one front, he gives them an answer, they attack him on a different front. They, it's not that they have a lack of evidence, they just don't want to believe. So here's what Jesus says next, verse 21. He said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin." Where I am going, you cannot come. Now, he's said this part to them before, and they were confused about it. They're still confused about it here. They're still trying to figure out what he means by that. We know he's talking about his death and resurrection and ascension back into heaven. They're not going to be able to follow him. He says to his disciples elsewhere, you're not going to be able to follow me now, but you will later. Because Jesus will come back and take us to be with him where he is. But he says, I'm going away. You won't be able to come with me. And he says, you are going to die in your sin. He says it again in verse 24. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. He does not say you will die in your sin if you don't clean up your act. He does not say you will die in your sin unless you make yourself a spiritual to-do list and start checking everything off. He says you will die in your sin unless you believe that I am He. That I am who? What does He mean? What is it that they need to believe about Jesus in order to not die in their sin? Because here's what dying in your sin means. Everybody has sin. And everybody dies. Dying in your sin means you die without the forgiveness of God for your sin. Which means that when you stand before God for judgment, you will be condemned. You will be judged because you have not received the forgiveness that God offers through Christ. So he says, if you don't believe in me, then those sins that you have, you're going to take those with you. And you're going to have to answer for them. 
because they've not been forgiven. They've not been washed clean. The only way to avoid that, the only way to make sure that you don't die in your sins is to have your sins paid for, atoned for, cleansed, and the only way to get that is if you believe that I am who I say that I am. That's what Jesus is saying. So, who is he? What do they want? It, what does he want them to believe? What do they need to believe when he says, believe that I am he? Well, obviously believe that he's the light of the world. That's part of it. He just said that, right? But look what else he says here. Verse 23. He says, you are from below. I am from above. You need to believe that I'm not from the same place you are. You need to believe that I'm somebody different. That I'm from heaven. I'm not from the earth like you are. I'm from above. He also says, you are of this world. I am not of this world. I'm different. You can't look at me like everybody else. You have to recognize me as unique. He says, in verse 25, they say to him, well, who are you? Okay, we got to believe that you're he, you're him. Well, who is that? Jesus says, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. What has he been telling them from the beginning? That he's God's son? That he's been sent by the Father? The same kinds of things he's saying again here. Um, Verse 28, Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. Which also means you have to believe that I'm sinless. Right? I, do, I say what God tells me to say. Verse 29, He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. Right? So His speech is perfect, His actions are perfect, He's sinless. Nobody else is like that. Now, we have to be honest about the fact that it's easier for us in some ways to believe this about Jesus than it was for them, because we know the whole story. Right? We get to be on this side of the cross. We get to be on this side of the empty tomb. They were watching this happen in real time. Trying to figure it out. Now I'm not, you know, not saying they aren't guilty and they, they should have believed. Right? But let's just acknowledge it was harder for them in some ways than it is for us. So, but here's what Jesus says in verse 28. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. Here's, here's why it's so significant that we live on this side of the cross and why that's such a privilege. Because Jesus says it is in the moment when he is lifted up on the cross, that is when it is going to be most clear that everything he said about himself, everything he claimed, is true. Why is that the case? What is it about Jesus' death that makes so clear who he is. Well, when we read the accounts of Jesus' crucifixion, we see that even a pagan soldier who observed it noted, this guy has to be the son of God. As he dies, he, though falsely accused, though maligned, spit upon, betrayed, he's humble, he's patient, He prays for the forgiveness of his enemies. 
He gives Himself up to the Father with His last breath. There's darkness over the land as He dies, as though the very creation itself is grieving. There's an earthquake. Saints come out of their tombs alive at the death of Jesus. His death was unlike anybody else's death. Plenty of people were crucified. Nobody died like Jesus. Those who witnessed it knew they had witnessed something different. The curtain in the temple was torn in two. The Father made clear in every way, through every avenue, that this was not merely the death of an innocent man. This was the death of the sinless Son of God, the only Savior of the world. Now, even at that moment, John tells us in verse 30, that as he was saying these things, many believed in him. And that's all John is trying to get from us, too. He just, he's writing this so that we will believe that Jesus is the light of the world. That without him we're in darkness. He is writing this so that we will believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. That if we need healing, redemption, cleansing, life, whatever it is, it can only be found ultimately in Jesus. So if you don't yet follow Jesus and believe in Jesus, this is is what God is calling you to. He is calling you simply to believe in His Son. He is inviting you to receive from Him what none of us deserve what none of us are worthy of, but that God loves to give. He gave His Son so that in Him He could give you forgiveness and life. And if you are a Christian, this is your inheritance. This is your life. This is what God has given to you. Even when you feel like you are in darkness, Remember that you have the light of life, the light of God's presence, always, always, always with you. The Psalms testify, as we read earlier, the Psalms testify to the fact that sometimes God's people feel like He has abandoned them, feel like they are in darkness, feel like they are alone. But what does the Psalm remind us? Hope in God, for I will again praise Him. He is my refuge. He is my deliverer. Even when I feel like I'm in darkness, I know He has not abandoned me. I know He will not leave me or forsake me. He's given His own Son to give me light and life. What else would He withhold from me? Absolutely nothing. Trust in Him, follow Him, and you will have light and life. Let's pray.